All right, welcome to the Eric Anders Lang Show, folks. Not only are we sitting on a terrace drinking coffee in Newport Beach, but we're going to talk about one of my favorite things in golf. Brendan Thomas, what are we going to talk about today? I don't know. You're the host of the show. You tell me. (laughs) I think we're going to talk about something that's sitting in front of me that now has nine Mm -hmm. issues, which means that it's 2.25 years old. Yeah, we're making the turn. (laughs) Wow, you really are. Yeah. The Golfer's Journal has uh, has now been around for a couple years. People that don't know about the Golfer's Journal, what do you tell them? Um, I tell them we make uh, books worth keeping. They are not uh, disposable, and they're just odes to the game. Uh, every every edition is another, hopefully beautifully balanced book that celebrates all aspects of the game. Is it? Does it have any similarities to the Hardy Boys? <laughs> <laughs> A lot, actually, yeah. It does, Lots right? Of adventure, yeah. yeah. Well, because, I mean, there's an infinite number of adventures, and you and I talked a little bit about this over lunch just a minute ago mm-hmm. about kind of the, um, the, the, the depth to which your storytelling can go. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, I guess, first the genesis of the Golfer's Journal and, and what need that you saw uh, could be filled by you? Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm a veteran of, like, traditional media, and I was watching the golf space being a golf nut. Um, I was watching it for inspiration and wasn't really getting it. You know, the, the existing publications out there just weren't... Um, you kind of make this grand bargain when you buy, you know, t- typical media. You get it for cheap, it's full of ads, and Can, then there's constraints. I think I need you to explain time. that. You're talking about business-to-business stuff. Uh, no, I'm just talking about, like, when somebody's buying a book, like Golf Magazine or Golf Digest or something like that, they're making a bargain. They're paying a really low price for that um artifact but it's going to be filled with ads you know and i wanted to make something that is editorially pure it's underwritten by just a handful of advertisers but it's worth keeping it's worth spending money on um and we had a perfect blueprint in that i was the publisher of the surface journal and it's been around for almost 30 years now and it just made total sense i'm a you know a surfer and a golfer and the similarities are just everywhere. Yeah, as a as a non-surfer, I didn't know what the Surfer's Journal was. But when you were starting out, people said, oh, it's like the Surfer's Journal. you got to check out the Golfer's Journal. I was like, I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, from my perspective, when I look at the Golfer's Journal, I love seeing it in the different hotels that are, you know, the golf elite, like Forest Dunes, obviously, Bandon, so many great places. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like it—it uh, it feels more like. Did you ever know this that this um, thing called communication arts? No. Do it was tell. a quarterly, like huge, mm-hmm. huge, like inch and a half, and it and it was meant to celebrate uh, design um, achievements in all different types of uh, categories, like fashion, mm-hmm. art direction, uh, music director you know uh, cinematography and it was cool because it was like it was basically for <clears throat> photographers i mm-hmm. worked for david la chapelle it was like a reference manual and you could mm-hmm. see what was happening in the last year anyway it was very thought out and it was a thing that you would basically collect mm-hmm. and i'm sure you're finding that that's where the golfer's journal sits on people's shelves yeah absolutely i mean we 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 make these we know that they don't get thrown away that's the whole point they don't get put in bathrooms and and kind of left there they're on display and people love to show what their passions are, you know. So you can't, if you follow, if you're a really good Instagrammer, you don't, if you can follow some really interesting people, 
but you can't put that on the, the coffee table when people come over and say like, hey, look, look what I do. I'm into golf people on Instagram, you know, <laughs> but they love putting the golfer's journal on their coffee table and people are fidgety and they, they pick it up and they immediately know that you, you have good taste. You know, you have, you have this thing that we make, obviously we spend a lot of time and effort and energy making great editorial, but we equally try and make them just beautiful things to be sitting around in people's spaces, you know, um, so that they can live on for a long time. How many stories would you say you have in the can, like waiting, that you could just sort of like, if someone was like, make me a magazine tomorrow, like could, how many stories out there do you think you have we, waiting? We kind of have like 20 ideas on the go at all times. Um, and we have to try and balance them. You know, there's obviously, we have, I would say, um, a portion of our magazines, which is like just what you do, adventures in golf. It's like go out and experience somewhere and let golf be the prism for that lets you experience this place. So we have that. We have historical things we can talk about. There's people we can talk to. Um, there's just this endless wealth of potential stories. Um, but it's almost easier to talk about what we're not. You know, like we, the only thing we don't do is we're not giving you swing tips. And we're not, <laughs> you know, ranking things. And we're not doing things that are designed to get people outraged and arguing and and kind of right. debating things you know clickbait essentially um and that's been from the beginning from the beginning yeah i mean we want we want to entertain people we're not um we're not breaking news we're making evergreen content that you can pick up two years down the line and enjoy it as much as the day it was written basically right. um and the medium of print isn't designed to to compete with clickbait you know we don't and that's what i think a lot of the traditional media companies struggle with is that they have limited space and they're going to make each page count and they're going to cram a bunch of something interesting onto those pages right we get like horribly self-indulgent if we like something we're like <laughs> let's make this 30 pages you know right. and um that's a luxury that's just born of the fact that every book is 140 pages and we only have you know six ads in the whole thing right from our six sponsors so it's 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 a, it's like freeing. You have a huge canvas to tell stories in, which is awesome. When you uh, when you got into golf, I'm assuming you were in in, uh, in Durban in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think your life kind of set you up to make this? Do, do you ever look back on like the events of your life, kind of you know? At some point, you, mm -hmm. you you came from South Africa to America. Mm -hmm. At some point, you know you 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 traveled a lot. I'm assuming because mm -hmm. a lot of this you know journal is about travel mm -hmm. and about and 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 in some ways that you and I have this little joke that you and I basically have the same job in a lot mm -hmm. of ways, right? Except mm -hmm. I have I'm tethered to YouTube and you're tethered to you know a, a, a glue and how do you actually bind it? What is the, what is the binding? It's mechanism? called smith zone. It's a it's <laughs> it's a it's a combination of, of glue and actual needle and thread. It's the most expensive. Yeah, we it pretty must much be. yeah, we print, we went pretty big on the construction of this thing. Everything about this is the most expensive, I'm assuming. It's not the most expensive, but it's uh yeah, it's not cheap to make, that's for sure. And that's you know, that's really what we we have to walk a, a somewhat of a fine line because we want to make something that's worth keeping, but we also want everyone to be involved. We're not trying to make this some like elitist thing that only rich people can afford. So you know, it's just finding that balance where we want to make something that's really nice and keep it 
reasonably uh, cost-effective to make. Before we get into your history, I want to just I'm gonna I'm gonna pause it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna go to a quick commercial, and I'm gonna ask you if I can ask you a question, and okay. we're gonna find out again. <laughs> okay, just enjoy the commercial. All right, Precision Pro, everybody. Precision Pro Golf makes amazing golf rangefinders that are the perfect combination of price and performance. Um, listen, whenever I see someone on the range or wherever I go, if I see someone with a Precision Pro rangefinder. I see a paisano, a countryman, someone who's not interested in basically overpaying for a product. Same the same way I feel about vice balls. You know, it's like it's just like we cut out the middleman, we make a great product, and we get it out to you so that you can basically afford it. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I, I just I would rather have uh, something that's good value, right? Uh, right now, the NX7 Pro is on sale. Whoa. $40 off. Go get it. $40 off. That's a good deal. What's even better is that you can get an additional $10 off for being a listener of the podcast when you use the promo code ERIC at checkout. That's $50 off. I mean, jeez. I'm going to go get some. I've said that already. Over 800 verified reviews from real golfers can't be wrong. Here's what Ty had to say about his NX7 Pro Rangefinder. He goes, uh, while waiting on the tee box in my last round, there was a hawk flying overhead. <laughs> the NX7 Pro is so fast and accurate that I was able to measure the distance to the hawk while it was moving. 178.4 yards, if you're curious. So that's about a, that's an easy six, hard seven. Um, if the NX7 Pro Golf Rangefinder can measure a hawk, it can definitely measure a flag. That's been my experience. Um, well, also Ty's experience. Uh, go to precisionprogolf.com and use coupon code ERIC, E-R-I-K, to get $50 off the NX7 Pro Rangefinder today. Swing with confidence, hit more greens with Precision Pro Golf. All right, one more read, folks. Adidas. Over 5 million pieces of plastic are floating in our oceans, which over time get broken down, making it easy for sea life to ingest, ultimately affecting our own food chain. So it is your problem. It's not just a world problem. It's you. It affects you. Adidas is working with Parlay to prevent plastic entering our oceans and transform it into high-performance sportswear. Mm -hmm. Shoes is coming soon. Just hold on. Hold your hats, folks. I'm not even done with the ad. Stop trying to figure out what I'm going to say. Adidas is spinning the problem into what? A solution. The thread into a thread. I don't know what that means. It's written here. It says the thread into a thread. I don't know who wrote this. Adidas Golf is bringing eco innovation to the golf course in a, the form of a special edition shoe. All right. This is legit, actually. This is the first time the Parlay shoe has been uh, a golf shoe. I've had it in um form of a running shoe. I mean... Look, it's a it's a sick shoe that serves a purpose. Okay, that's where you get it. Um, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe. Oh, looks they already wrote it for me. The first ever golf shoe made from pla- uh, recycled. Oh no, it's not called recycled. It's called upcycled. I don't know what that is. I feel like I should probably Google that. Upcycled plastic waste that was intercepted, like Jason Bourne, from the beaches and coastal communities before reaching the ocean. Dang, I didn't realize this is Jason Bourne's golf shoe. Intercepted. I mean, I'm a golf guy, but I also love football. 
Who doesn't love a classic interception, especially when it's Jason Bourne saving planet Earth? Entire upper of the shoe is made with threads spun. It's also a DJ. Amazing. From the upcycled plastic waste. My phone's ringing. It's Andrew Marler. Hang on. All right. Well, that was a 20-minute phone call, but you have no idea. It just went by like that. Um, anyway, the Tour 360 XT Parlay, the first ever golf shoe made from upcycled plastic. I already read this because it's got the intercepted line. Intercepted from beaches and coastal communities in a world before reaching the ocean. The entire upper of the shoe is made from thread spun from upcycled plastic waste. Built is built as the Tour 360 XT, you still get great traction and stability. I feel like, what's that line from Taken? I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> they will take you. Available starting June 10th at adidas.com. And for those headed to the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, a select number of pairs will be sold on site. Get into it, folks. All right, back to the show. Hey, Sklar Brothers here, Randy and Jason, and we have a couple of podcasts. If you you know them or you don't know them, check them out. We do View from the Cheap Seats, which is sports and comedy, and we have a podcast called Dumb People Town where we break down stupid behavior done by stupid people in this stupid world of ours. It is hilarious. Check them both out. And now, check out this podcast. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, Brandon has agreed to, <laughs> to discuss the undiscussable. No, because, I mean, when you open it up, you, you, just like everyone in the world, are subject to the reality of um, you have a dream and you have a passion, but you have to support it. Mm -hmm. And the way you support it is by advertisers. You've done a great job of when you flip through the magazine, I don't see a lot of advertising. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of beautiful photos and a lot of typography. But you and I did talk once about how you had to, in some, on some level, train your advertisers to properly envelop your readers mm -hmm. right because because basically they're used to a different marketing strategy mm -hmm. which is hey look at this hey fastest newest mm -hmm. yeah so it's, tell it's, me about it's that old story. bells and whistles and laser beams and uh <laughs> yeah uh well i gotta correct you on one point there that we're we consider ourselves reader supported because we only have uh a few sponsors or advertisers who underwrite what we do so they don't pay all the bills they help us produce this thing um, okay and it's like NPR, basically. Right. You know, it's it's member supported. Our subscribers pay for us to to make this thing, and then it's underwritten by these sponsors. And, and just so, do, are you comfortable? What is the subscription rate? Subscription right rate is seventy five dollars for the year. That is a steal. Yeah, a there, great gift. It is a great gift. <laughs> a great, it really is. Like if you yeah. know, if you really want to, I don't know. It's a great gift. We we have a lot of people who. Um, you know, when they get invited out to play a nice golf course, they there's some guys that give away 50 subscriptions. Every time they go to play a nice course, their thank you is, you know, a subscription to the Golfer's Journal as a thank you Whoa. to their host, you know. So we have a lot of those types of people who just go, well, this is so turnkey and it's such a great gift. Wait, that's actually a great gift because it's kind of less than the, than the Greens fee. A way less, yeah. <laughs> that's actually brilliant. Yeah. It's, uh, it's By the way, if anyone listening to this gets me a subscription to the Golfer's Journal... I'll be excited. What, you don't have one yet? I, I do have one. I, do. <laughs> I was in the first issue. Your DNA is all over this thing. If, if, you, yeah. if, you, uh, if, you've, if you're old school golfer's journal, you'll know that um, mm -hmm. 
I was very pleased to be a part of the first issue. The first issue, we had an interview with you, and we had your trip to Eskenish as one of the, That's true. the travel features. DJ, DJ wrote it. Yep. DJ Pajowski, who at that time was a part of Scratch and now is the No Laying Up content. Apologies for the... Uh, I think that was a motorcycle. Yeah. Or it could have been a Ferrari. We're in that part We're of town. We're in that kind of part of the world, yeah. There's um, some noisy vehicles around here. In between... Uh, you live in um, Encinitas or you live in... San Clemente. San Clemente, right mm-hmm. next door. In between San Clemente and Los Angeles is an undisclosed golf location <laughs> <laughs> where, where we've met for the day. Um, so reader supported, which is cool to hear mm-hmm. because that does create a community-based aspect to it. And you've actually made, we still need to go back to your history, yes. but yeah. you have made steps toward incorporating more community-based uh, features mm-hmm. to the Golfer's Journal. Well, the beauty of, of being beholden to the reader is that, you know, our primary concern is making, you know, stories and books that make them happy and entertain them. So, you know, traditional media is often like trying to, you know, make the advertisers happy all the time. Our advertisers, to their credit, have, um, it took a bit of convincing being, but they've understood the model and they, um, they appreciate it for what it's worth. You know, they basically say like, we're just glad to be associated with it. Like, you do your thing. We're not going to ask for, you know, native advertising and all that sort of stuff in the book. We don't do that. It's just simply... Our readers are what we make this for. And obviously, the free golf that we sometimes get in, in the process. <laughs> but uh, to your question earlier, yeah, I mean, the first couple ads that showed up from our advertisers were, you know, laser beams and, and a lot of um, kind of loud. You, when, when you make an ad, a print ad, that's going to be surrounded by other print ads, you've got to try to stick out. You know, right. here in our book, you don't have to do much to stick out. You know, so we... We basically coached them into uh, a certain, like, aesthetic, essentially. And um, and it's kind of had an influence on their broader ad campaigns, which has been really rewarding to really? hear. Really? Yeah. You know, Do you so, get a design fee? Oh, no, no. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's free. That comes free with the sponsorship. You've seen it ripple through into other ads. Totally, yeah. Yeah, and by their own admission, they often, uh, a lot of our advertisers say that, you know, we use that idea and we've kind of taken that and moved it across other platforms as well. Wow, so, so you're changing gratifying. the world. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. How, do you read anything? Or are you just over-read? You can't read anything. No, anymore. I read every day. You, you're, a ver, you're a heavy yeah, reader. Yeah, I've I got to admit, I stopped for a while, but I found myself stagnating. And um, the more I... I spend a lot of time trying to... I, I, self-improvement is not the right word, but mm. trying to learn from you know businessmen, people that have are successful and kind of a universal thing is devote an hour of your day at least to reading really um so i have a reading list that's pretty comprehensive i'm reading like three or four different books currently and how do you uh, juggle them um i just i don't have to juggle them they're all in a kindle not even on paper isn't that weird huh um and uh it's just whatever's whatever i'm interested in i'll I'll kind of jump into one book and jump out i'm not afraid of not finishing a book if it's not good and so um, you have three kids yeah and you own two businesses, mm-hmm. and you read an hour a day? Yeah, I try to. I don't sleep much. At what but point <laughs> of the day do you read? Um, what time? I try to carve out like 30 minutes during the day and then 30 minutes at night. Right before bed? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not um, not always achievable, right. but you know that's the goal. But still, that's a good goal. It is. Do you watch stuff on TV? Do you, um, do you do like Amazon, Hulu, Netflix? I do, Netflix? yeah. yeah for what sure. are you watching right now? Um, I'm currently in mindless phase i just want to watch reruns of 30 rock <laughs> but uh but yeah i'm 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 just a fan of of uh 
of media you right. know, in general. And I, you know, when something comes along that cult- resonates culturally, I'm all over it. I right. love it. Like you know, when Game of Thrones came out, I was I binge watched I think the whole first season in a weekend kind of thing. You know, so yeah, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones, and I'm starting to feel like maybe I should. Yeah, you, you can live late. without it. Yeah, you can live wow. without it. Yeah. The last season was a bit of a letdown. Really? <laughs> so what I hear, I, I enjoyed it, but it was... I think I saw one episode where someone got something cut off, and I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's too intense for me. It's pretty intense. That it's was a lot. pretty intense, yeah. I wouldn't watch it with my kids around, that's for sure. Um, so, but but is there is there a thread from your early life into now? Is there, is there something that... There's a very circuitous pathway to where I am now. Um, I was in computer programming, and then I went and lived in London and was kind of grinding on information technology and all that sort of stuff when the, the dot-com boom happened and it seems totally unrelated completely unrelated and i it's been very useful now that you know this business is very much a, a tech heavy business um, um but all that time i spent on the trains getting to and from my job i would read and just that i fell in love with writing and i wanted to be an, a journalist so i went back home and you know studied to be a journalist much to my parents chagrin and um and then I got offered the job at Surfer Magazine, and it was out in the United States, and we just said, yeah, let's do it. So we picked up and, and moved out and to... What, what was the title? Uh, Surfer Magazine. Yeah, so your job title. I was the managing editor. Oh, wow, yeah. that's a big job. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was writing for Sports Illustrated in South Africa and a, and a number of like cultural magazines, and it was it was barely eking out a living. But right. um, but I, would, I loved covering the surf contests and writing about surfing, and... Yeah, they hired me, and that was that. Was that. You know, I've ended up in the States here. I've been here for 15 years almost now. So, Magazines are kind of like that. It's like, it's like you get your dream, but you don't quite get to pay for your real life. Yeah, exactly. It is a funny world like that. All totally. across, Condé Nast, every, every sort of... Totally. Unless you're very, very much at the top of a very, very successful magazine. Sure, but I mean, I think even then, you know, a traditional magazine, you're under a bit of pressure now, you know. Um, but all I wanted to do was to travel the world and experience these things and I got to do all that I mean I made I had friends and you know all the best surfers in the world are considered my friends and we'd when the surf wasn't when there wasn't surf we'd golf and right. everyone was competitive and we got really into golf and that's where kind of my obsession came from and then the golfers journal ultimately spawned from that it's probably obvious to you but as a non-golfer which I spent uh, 80% of my life being um I didn't see the connection between golf and and surf, but it must have been there for you since the very beginning. Yeah, it's infuriatingly different in one aspect, in that um, surfing, the playing field is moving the whole time, so you react a lot more and you kind of respond to external stimuli more than you do in golf, and that's what's infuriating about golf, is the ball just doesn't move. It's just sitting there and you still cannot manage to hit it straight you know um whereas when you're surfing the ocean can throw a giant lump of water at you and you can react to it and you know to varying degrees of success obviously but the all the rest of it's exactly the same it's very um there's a lot of like solitude involved in it there's a lot of like open space and it's it's quite cerebral there's a lot of time between the act of riding waves and between the act of hitting a golf ball that you get to you know in surfing's case, you sit sit in the water and stare at the sun and talk to the people next to you, and in golf, you you walk down the fairway and and connect with people on that front. So, and even the, the motion of, you know, doing a cutback and hitting a golf ball are, are fairly similar motions. You know, it's a lot mm. of like, you know, between 
synchronizing your hips and shoulders and all that sort of stuff. So there are a lot of similarities, but I mean, I'm not going to belabor that point. It's they're totally different beasts, you know, yeah. and they they dovetail nicely with one another because when the wind's blowing and the surf's bad, you can go play golf. You know, the golf oh, course is right. always there. It's always six foot and offshore on the golf course. Is what we like to say. It's always what? Six foot and offshore on the golf course. Uh, and that's a surfing term. Six foot and offshore is like ideal surfing oh, conditions. It's, yeah. it's always <laughs> ideal golfing conditions. Yeah, got it, got yeah. it. Six foot and offshore, right? Because you don't want the wind blowing on the back of the wave. You yeah. want it blowing into the wave to exactly, hold the to face hold of it up. Exactly, to hold the face of it up, yeah. See, I know. I, I, no, first you, time I ever went this. surfing was uh, Ocean Beach. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, and I later found out that there were sharks there, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Well, not just that. That's one of the scarier places to go surfing. Yeah. generally in on this coastline, you get knocked down. Yeah, the, the waves are, are heavy there. For I sure. had no idea, and I was mm-hmm. like, "This isn't that fun." And then I went to Hawaii, and I was like, "This is amazing." <laughs> well, but as long as you're not on the North Shore. They seem to have. Uh, you, you would imagine maybe that the social aspect, like you touched on this for mm-hmm. a minute, but the social aspect of golf and surfing is kind of similar because it's like. You could play golf for four hours and either not get to know someone at all mm-hmm. or get to know someone really, really well. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like you get to decide. Yeah. I, th- I would say the surf community is far more walled off. I mean, that, consider this. You're basically fighting for a, uh, a limited resource. Mm. You know, like there's a wave coming and the guy next to you, while it could be your buddy, only one of you is going to get that wave. So you have to like scratch and claw over that person to, to get that wave. Mm. If there's just two of you out there, you take turns, but that's very seldom the case in Southern California. So you're competing with 50 other people. So there's a lot less camaraderie in out in the water than you would think. Um, yeah. Whereas in golf, it's, I feel like everyone's kind of rooting for each other, you know, and hoping that everyone's... Well, within well. your foursome, but what if you're a single joining? Or what if you, you know, when I started playing golf, I would show up to a course and be like, wait a minute. It seems like nobody wants me here, even though I'm paying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you have that sort of, um, you know, uh, rough exterior, except mm-hmm. it's not long hair and wetsuits. It's yeah. like yeah. logos and belts. Exactly, yeah. There is an intimidation factor of standing on the first tee when you're out of your depth, right? <laughs> yeah. But imagine if you got on the first tee and your playing partner basically came up to you and pushed you out the way to tee off before you you know like that's basically what (laughs) surfing's like you know you're like there's only one tee box and one of us is going to get to use it you know um and you'll get wrestled off the off the first tee um and jockeyed for position you know and that's basically a bit more what surfing's like than golf yeah but you know the 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 other similarities are the travel aspect of it you know you go somewhere to go surfing you go somewhere to golf you spend more time off the course or out of the water than you do on or in the water you know so so you told me about uh, this event that's coming up that you've spent, it sounds like you, you said, you spent a lot of your time thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about it now because you described this place as like perfection for you. It's, it's a beautiful golf course surrounded by surf <clears throat> breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. And, and is, it, is it sold out? Uh, yeah, it's sold out oh, at well, this point. Sorry, yeah. if you're listening and well, yeah. you're not going, you're not going. Next time, there'll be another one. <laughs> um, we have a couple of events coming up. We have our um, annual Broken Tea two-man two man event at Trinity Forest. In Broken Tea is uh, the logo for Golfer's Journal, That's which right. is based on, it's a Scottish thing, right? Um, no, actually, we there's a funny story behind the, the logo as well, which I'll, I'll tell you if you want to hear it. But, yeah, yeah um, dive in right now. Go ahead. Um, we were struggling to come up with the logo for this thing, and basically we had the, the name of the book... And we... That we, sounds like a Lamborghini. That Could like be an Audi R8. Something really fast, yeah. Fancy. Yeah, fancy and fast. Um, <laughs> we, 
we, I worked with Jeff Cunningham at Linksoul to try and come up with a logo. And we, we tried a couple things and it just wasn't obvious what we were going to do. And from the beginning, I wanted to put a broken T on the cover of the first issue. So we told Jeff, like, well, eventually we were exasperated and we're like, just, just draw the broken T that's on the cover and we'll do that. We didn't think much of it. And I didn't realize that that would be like a two or three month odyssey for Jeff, who walked around Goat Hill Park trying to find the perfect T to, to photograph. To, to actually draw and make it a logo, right? And I, we had no money to start this thing, so I just, you know, my friend of mine is a, a pro surfer, Rob Machado, and he was shaping surfboards, so I offered Jeff, I said, look, I'll get you a Rob Machado surfboard to make our logo. And he didn't realize it was going to take him three months to come up with the damn thing, Amazing. so it ended up being a lot of time for him. But, you know, he, at our launch party, he, he gifted me the actual tee that he found, which was the Whoa. original logo, and it's, it's in a frame in my office now. But um, Does it look exactly like the frame? Like, yeah. like the logo? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so that that's the, the name. The Broken Tea Society has some since spawned off as all our subscribers kind of referred to themselves as the Broken Tea Society. So we just, you know, kind of appropriated that name and have like hashtagged it basically. Yeah. Um, so we do. Well, the- because it looks when I, I did when uh, at some point when I was in Scotland, they have the um, the little cup mm-hmm. on the tea box that has a similar logo. Yeah. That is just a place for broken teeth. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's so obvious, and um, <laughs> but it just, you know, the way Jeff designed the logo, it's so star- stylishly done. It's it just It elevates it just above what, you know, a place where you throw broken teeth. Yeah. And I love the symbolism of it. It's like, it's kind of like golf was played here, you know? Yeah. And I, I love that kind of, um, just that message it sends. Yeah. So we had people, I mean, much of the success of the Golfer's Journal started because of you know, the early adopters would suddenly be in some obscure place and they'd post a photo of a broken tea in that place. Right. And, uh, and that became this kind of viral thing that the Broken Tea Society was formed. So yeah. now we have like this community around um, our subscribers that we get them access to some pretty cool places to go. We're going to go play Trinity Forest at the end of the month. Oh, wow. Um, and that event sold out in just in an hour and we've Whoa. got 92 teams on the waiting list. So... There's a, there's a lot of demand for what the things we're putting on. And, you know, once we're all together, it's it's great. I mean, everyone's kind of like-minded and, I mean, instant friends. So it's kind of a, it's a really cool experience. So we got that coming up at the end of the month. And then in November, we're doing uh, our first international getaway down to Mexico, which is, was, we kind of wrestled with it a bit because we have a lot of people that are like really into golf course architecture and mm. are kind of, you know, uptight about some of these things. Um, and we we struggle to find, we're not just that. You know, we, we really care about architecturally significant golf courses, but we also care about taking your shoes off and playing barefoot, you know, yeah. with your friends. So we wanted to balance, you know, the Cook Crenshaw course at Trinity Forest with a real laid back experience down in this kind of utopia in Punta Mita, Mexico. All right, sorry, the mic cut out. We were talking about balancing Punta Mita Utopia. Yeah. <laughs> the last thing I heard, and then I went black. Okay. Um, yeah, so we, we've got kind of both sides of the coin. You know, we, we care about, you know, really well-designed golf courses, and then we also care about just, you know, the camaraderie that comes with spending time with, you know, other golfers in beautiful locations. So we're going down to Punta Mita, which is going to be like barefoot golf and uh, – it's going to be unlimited golf and unlimited surf taxis and unlimited food and drink. And we're just going to spend four days kind of hanging out and, you know, ending the, the year on a, on a high note. And know? when is that? November. You want to come? I, I do. I really do. 
good. I uh, well, you can. I I'm always. Uh, you know, I, we were talking a little bit about this. Maybe we can end kind of with this is, is, you know, I know a lot of people, one of the messages I get a lot that I care about is the idea of you've inspired me to do something differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and usually that comes down to how people live their lives. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the idea that, you know, you and I both would probably, if they said, are, are you living your dream job? Yes or no? You would answer yes. Mm-hmm. So would I. Um, but you know, at the same time that it's, it's not the full story. No, like it's, it's a, it's a fucking job. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine that you probably put in how many hours a week just into work? Um, it wouldn't be an exaggeration to say 70 hours a week. That's insane. Yeah. I mean, it's getting much easier now. I've been able to hire staff, um, that have definitely lightened my load, but you know, the first year and a half, it was it was comfortably 70 hour weeks most weeks you know? well and even you were probably prepping for a year before we even saw an issue totally yeah. You yeah. Maybe, yeah yeah I mean there was a lot of wriggling around the golf industry trying to find someone to <laughs> <laughs> to support this thing you know um, but you know again we, we had such great partners in, from the get go I mean Scotty Cameron and I played golf through mutual friends on in the surf world and when I pitched him the idea I didn't really pitch him I was just telling him about the idea he told me I just had to do it and he's backing it and that was kind of the that was the push off the edge of the cliff that I needed to get it going, you know? Right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, but you're right. It's one of the most rewarding things when somebody says that, you know, I've changed my, my view of the game because of what you do. And I've had, you know, I have direct messages on Instagram that say that. And I've also had like handwritten notes from like really old dudes who just, who like gave up the game 20 years ago saying that I've just rediscovered my love for the game because of your, of your journal and uh, picked up a club for the first time in ages. And that's super rewarding, you know, um, to to know that your work is being received that well. I heard someone in the parking lot say the exact same thing to you as we got here. He just hmm. said to you, you know, your your films change, changed his view on the game and got him into it. I, I could see that was rewarding for you. And yeah. uh, I know the feeling, you know. It's a very, very similar feeling I get. Do you, um, you know, when, when you are faced with, uh, you know, this task if, if you call it that or, or avocation or whatever you want to call it what what um you know why do you work so hard i mean what is that the reason is that really it no, or that, is there that, something that, else no i don't i wouldn't say that is the reason i i don't know i think once this will sound pretty shallow but i just you know once the, the snowball was running down the hill i was like just caught up in it and you know i didn't want it to fail and uh that's really what drove me you know it was i really believed it was going to work and um and when it started working i i kind of doubled down on it and once you invest that much time and energy into something it's like it's like my fourth child at this point you know i really don't want to see it um fail i don't want to see it deviate from its intended mission um and i don't you know i want it to just be what it was meant to be you know um but that takes a lot of jet fuel to kind of escape uh, the, the kind of gravitational pull of everything else that's going on. I mean, th- there's there's a lot going against a print publication in 2019. Um, yeah, it wouldn't be in my list of top 10 businesses to start. Yeah, of course. And that's why people thought I was crazy. And um, <laughs> I probably am. But the what it's spawned is not a print publication. It's like this community that are like, going out and experiencing events and buying apparel and like supporting us in whatever we do yeah and it's uh it was not the intended 
um, purpose of it initially, but it, yeah. it morphed pretty quickly into that. You uh, last little thing is is we talked a little bit about um, you know not inspiration so much, but um, the idea of refresh. Like mm. like how do you refresh? Because mm-hmm. I mean you know in my job, it's kind of like. Uh, okay, you know, if you're a podcast listener, first off, thank you for listening. I hope you do check out Brendan's beautiful journal. Um, get it for yourself, get it for friends, and listen to his podcast as well, which you don't host. You have Tom and DJ mm-hmm. flip-flopping? Or? Uh, Tom Coins our main host, but DJ um, does some field reporting for us, and uh, Travis steps in occasionally. Right. It's, a, it's Travis Hill. Travis Hill, our editor, yeah. yeah. And, He's you, done an amazing job. They they put a lot of thought behind the podcast. I just kind of show up with some mics and the battery <laughs> dies. But you guys do more of like a um, uh, what's the what's the best example? Uh, radio uh, Radio Lab. Yeah, we've done a couple. I mean, they're they're a pain in the ass to produce. I mean, it's a <laughs> lot. It's a lot of work. And um, and well, pe- but you pick hard things. We do. Yeah, we do pick hard things to do. Yeah. Um, and I respect that. Thank you. Yeah, it's not wise always to do it that way. <laughs> I mean, especially in digital media, you you know you don't. Um, you don't necessarily see the same payoff. Like deciding to do a print publication is very expensive to start. I mean, these books yeah. cost a lot to make and flying people around the world to make the, the editorial didn't exist the way we wanted it. So we had to like make it ourselves. Right. You have to go make the photos. So that was a lot of like, all right, well, I'm just going to, you know, take some money out of my bank account and we're going to go and do this thing, you know, and it's yeah. kind of, there's like this barrier to entry, but um, on the digital side of things, it's a little easier, but it's just so much work. You know, to go and produce a, a well-put-together, you know, you know it, episode of, of Adventures in Golf. I mean, it takes a team. It takes yeah. planning and a lot of execution. And um, we're, not, we're not really chasing that. You know, we want to we engage our readership and, and give our members value. So the podcast exists to kind of be just an added value to, to all of them. And... Um, and it's been received really well. It's but a really great podcast. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Tom does an incredible job. He's out there doing his book, Course Called America, and he's meeting just some fascinating people along the way. So yeah. it's kind of on autopilot at this point. Um, he's, he's great. Shout, um, out, shout out Tesla. Huh? Shout out Tesla. Shout out Tesla. <laughs> autopilot. <laughs> um, Tom is a guy that I really respect. Yeah, he's a great dude. Um, but what we were getting at was like, you know, even with the podcast here, like if you're listening to the Eric Anders Lang Show now, first of all, thank you. Second of all, we have, you know in this off season moment here decided to move back to twice a month, which is basically a decision based around one of the things that you and I talked about today, which is the ability to refresh Mm -hmm. and to renew ideas and inspiration and all that stuff. And, you know, I just, I was wondering, you know, when you look at the golfers journal, you have these 20 ideas sort of in the back of your head, but you know, as that's, that's only two issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Or less, mm-hmm. right? Like, like as you go through, how do you look at refreshing the 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 spine of it all, mm-hmm. as it were? Um, we have some really great, big, grand ideas for them. Um, you know, whether they're design changes, uh, construction changes for special editions, um, those projects get us pretty excited. But you know, I think we could probably heed our own ex- advice a little bit. You know, you go out on a golf course and you can hit ten mediocre shots and it kind of doesn't feel that great but you hit one great one as long as you hold on to that great one you are refreshed you know you kind of get excited enough to to kind of recommit to things you know and we for us it's you know i read every feature that goes in the book and sometimes there's a draft that just comes in that just it hits all the right spots and i'm and i get you know 
really excited and motivated just because it exists. Even though I had very little to do with its creation, you know, Travis assigned it to someone and edited it, that person went out and researched it and wrote it. Um, but when it arrives and I'm seeing it in that kind of raw state early on, I mean, that, that gets me pretty excited, you know. So, and it's so, so entertaining and it's, uh, you know it's just going to resonate. And that's, those, as long as you hold on to those little wins... It, it's a fun job, you know, and um, I imagine it's the same with you. You know, when you see the first cut of a new episode and you get all excited, I mean, you just got to hang on to that and you're refreshed. Yeah. Yeah, that's Christmas, huh? Pretty much. Well, if you're Jewish, it's Hanukkah or whatever. Yeah. whatever. It, that, that's a gift that yeah. you give your, that you've worked on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like on the cooking show when they pull it out of the oven. Yeah. <laughs> it can either be a flop or it's something <laughs> magnificent. Um, and look, I mean, we... we we don't ex- we don't say that everything we pull out is perfect because there is no perfection in golf and in magazine making. It's like there's always room for improvement and a new approach and a new idea that can be executed differently. Um, and the medium's like really versatile. Like yeah. you know, it's not people think it's just ink and paper, but it's like you can you can tell different stories in really effective ways yeah. using that medium. And people love holding things and you know keeping the tactile experience of reading a magazine is still um, as I said I have a Kindle and most of my life is digital as an you know and I'm a kind of tech savvy individual but I do love reading a magazine you know a good one so uh, I know that and I'm yeah, I'm not like some old curmudgeon who pines for the days of of books and uh, old media not at all um, it's just everything has its own time and place yeah well, dude, thank you for making something so special that uh, it, I would imagine everybody told you not to. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, always sort of being on my coffee table and the coffee tables of the, uh, you know, great courses that I'm lucky enough to travel to. And, you know, I think probably thank you from all the people, too, that have that have already thanked you for re-inspiring them and getting them into golf, uh, maybe after giving it up and maybe feeling like, you know, I think one of the biggest strikes that golf gets is that it's too corporate mm-hmm. and, and you've done a really great job of using some corporate funding to make it seem less corporate mm-hmm. and more individual so thank yep. you and thank you for all you do too yeah let's hug it up <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to be on camera or video <laughs> or, or audio all right everybody thanks for listening and uh check out the golfer journal at the golfer's journal uh at golfer's journal at golfer's Golf journal yeah and get yourself a subscription stop uh stop being so lazy Thanks, Eric.